Hi, and welcome to another episode of Mike on MedTech, a show on the MedTech Matters podcast channel. I'm Sean Fensky, Editor-in-Chief of MPO. Joining me, as always, is Mike Drews, President of Vascular Sciences. How are you today, Mike? I'm well, thank you, Sean. Great. So, uh, so today we're going to look at a topic, really kind of revisit a topic that we first discussed back in December of 2019. So it's been a little while, and there's been, been some updates and, and things to catch up on, uh, and that is the FDA's Safer Technologies Program, or STEP. Um, similar to the agency's Breakthrough Designation Program, STEP isn't a pathway to market on its own, but rather an opportunity for a, a sponsor or a, you know, a device manufacturer to gain, uh, for lack of a better word, maybe some advantages with the agency during the regulatory review. Um, so, Mike, before I butcher my summary any further, why don't you <laughs> go ahead and give us a, an accurate portrayal of the program and, uh, and you know, just, just kind of clarify anything I, I may have exaggerated or, or misled on. Well, first of all, Sean, thanks uh, once again for the opportunity to have this discussion with you and your audience about a very important and also a very um, timely and not well known yet uh, topic, and that is the Safer Technologies Program, or, or STEP. And second of all, Sean, don't sell yourself short. I think the synopsis that you started with um, is a good place to start. Obviously, we'll continue to dig into the details as we as we <coughs> excuse me as we have our discussion today. But basically, Great. the intention of the STEP program, which, as you pointed out, was originally uh, created by FDA back in 2019, and then just very recently, um, last month, in fact, uh, the guidance was finalized, is similar mechanistically to the BDP. We'll talk about that more later. But philosophically, it's very different. In other words, the intention of the STEP program is for devices as well as combination products. I should add on the combination product side, these are device-led combination products. So mm -hmm. a combination product where the primary mode of action is device, not drug, they could be um, uh, they're eligible for, for the STEP program. A drug device combination product is not eligible for the STEP program. So medical devices as well as device-led combination products that basically target conditions that are, shall we say, less serious, if you will, than those that typically would be uh, covered by the BDP program. Uh, now that's what the guidance says. What are the criteria of the guidance? Um, in my opinion, that's very poorly written. It's very, it's, it really should not be a portion of the STEP criteria, but in fact it is. The most important criteria of the STEP is where the manufacturer can demonstrate that their device has the potential to significantly improve the safety, or in other words, the risk-benefit profile of the treatment or the diagnostic um, of that particular device. In other words, with the BDP, the emphasis is more on efficacy. The STEP, the emphasis is more on safety. And if you don't mind, Sean, I'd like to tell our audience why FDA created the STEP program, because I had a small role in this. Uh, there were some people, myself included, that took uh, medical devices to the FDA. This was prior to the STEP program being created, which was just, as I said, in, in 2019, 
We took mm-hmm. devices to the FDA as a BDP where the benefit was not so much on the efficacy side, but rather on the safety side. And FDA said, hey, this is great. However, it doesn't fit the BDP criteria of you know, improve, showing an improvement of efficacy, and they didn't have anywhere else to put it. So the STEP program was largely created because of this realization that there are medical devices where their benefit, if you will, is not so much on the, on the efficacy side, but rather on the safety side. Does that make sense, Sean? Yeah, I mean, can, would it be possible whether you use a, a, real, a real device or whether you, you, may, you know, make up an example, but can you provide an, uh, an example to kind of illustrate further the, the point of what the, the STEP program is? Yeah, it's a great question, Sean. So let me use what is one of my favorite examples, and that is a syringe. Right? We all know what a problem uh, with needle stick injuries and, and so on and so on. So what if a company comes up with a safer syringe? In other words, a syringe that because of however it's designed or used, it's less likely to cause a problem either with the patient or with the caregiver. Right? That would be a clear improvement of the safety of that syringe. But when it comes to the efficacy of the syringe, at the end of the day, the drug or whatever it is that you're injecting through the syringe, that's going to get inside the patient. You've not changed that, right? So there's right. absolutely no change in the efficacy of the product. The improvement here would be on the safety side. That would be the quintessential example of something that would be applicable for a step uh, consideration. Does that help uh, further understand? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's a good example of the difference between the, the efficacy versus the, the safety. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, uh, and as did I in the, in the introduction, the, the Breakthrough Devices Program. So obviously the clear difference is efficacy versus safety, but are there other differences? Are there other similarities? You know, uh, are there other comparisons that can be made to the BDP? Yeah, so again, great question, Sean. Um, so I mentioned a moment ago what I would consider to be the, the most important, the philosophical difference between the two programs, the STEP focusing on safety, whereas the BDP focusing on efficacy. Uh, but there mm-hmm. are a lot of similarities when it comes to the mechanics of the two programs. For example, just like in the BDP, if a company were interested in pursuing the STEP program, what they would do is to put together a step pre-sub, similar to a BDP pre-sub, where they would argue, you know, here's our device, this is what it does, this is how it works, this is the improvements that we've made in terms of safety, this is how we, how we demonstrate that we would have, uh, you know, a safer uh, device or we've improved the risk uh, the, the benefit risk profile, however you want. We put that all into a package, we submit it to the FDA, and then just like the BDP, according to the guidance, FDA says that they intend to make a decision within 60 days. Now, please notice uh, I'm pers- parsing my words carefully, Sean. Um, FDA right. is not saying they will make a decision. They intend to make a decision within <laughs> 60 days. Uh, believe me, nothing leaves the FDA without being vetted by about 500 lawyers first. So they they parse their words very carefully. Uh, and then, you know, you can request a meeting to discuss it if you want to, but uh, at the end of the day, then, uh, you know, if you are awarded that step designation, uh, then 
similar to the BDP, you would be you would be treated at least theoretically as a priority with the agency. So, the metaphor that I sometimes use when talking about um, being um, treated as a priority for a BDP, I'll use the same metaphor for uh, for a step. And you might remember this from our previous discussions about the BDP, Sean. Imagine you're in the grocery store, you're selling, you're standing at the deli counter. Everybody has taken a number, waiting to get served. And then somebody comes in wearing a great big red hat and they go to the front of the line. Getting a BDP, or in this case, getting a step designation, is kind of like getting a big red hat and going to the front of the line. Now, again, I have to emphasize that that is the regulatory theory. That is what the guidance says. That is not always the reality. And regrettably, I do sometimes have to remind my FDA reviewer friends that I have a BDP designation or I have a step designation, please do not treat me as every other medical device because if you're going to do that, then why the heck did I go through that, you know, that process of getting the BDP right. or the step? So, so this is a topic of a little bit of a different conversation, Sean, but I see a lot of people, they listen to what the politicians at FDA have to say, but that's the theory. That's not always the, the reality. So I know this is a you know this is a little bit outside your realm, but you know device manufacturers need to need to take advantage of of whatever advantage they have um, in terms of you know marketing a product. Um, I've as as you know editor of MPO and and also ODT, I've seen products or uh, press releases from device manufacturers. Uh, promoting the fact that they they got a BDP on this product, so you know it must be must be revolutionary and groundbreaking. Must be awesome. Of course, they don't <laughs> make those things, but that's you know that's what's being said. You know the step program to a healthcare provider. I mean, you know, you talked earlier about the you gave the syringe example. I would think a nurse or or anyone giving injections is going to be thrilled with the the fact that there's a safer syringe over the fact that. There's, I mean, I'm sure they want a more, uh, uh, you know, better efficacy from a syringe. But really, if it's more, if it's safer to them, if it can prevent needle stick injuries or whatever it is, um, that's a tremendous benefit. Is there any any idea why why companies aren't promoting their step designation? Yeah, sure. And it's a good question. A couple of things. First of all, step is a much newer program than the BDP. Um, okay. And to be honest with you, I don't know um, uh, how many step designations have been awarded yet. I suspect that number is very, very small. I've been in, mm -hmm. I, I'm involved right now with a couple of them, uh, but but it's it's much newer than the BDP, and the BDP has only been around for about three years. The step program right. was originally created in, in in 2019, just before you know the COVID situation. And of course, as soon as COVID hit, everything was basically on hold. It took FDA, <laughs> you know, roughly an, a, a year and a half to finalize the step guidance. So now, you know, b before when I talked to companies about step, I said, you know what, uh, let's put this on hold because it's just not well defined yet. But now. Uh, all of the companies that I talk to um, who think they might have a good candidate for step, I say, let's go for it. Let's, you know, put together the, the, the submission and put it in right now. So that's one right. reason. Um, a second reason I think that you're probably not going to hear a lot about these in the future is because 
I guess, you know, regrettably, Sean, I would say it this way, you know, when you get a breakthrough designation, you know, that sounds kind of glitzier. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> saying, well, my new device involves, you know, robotics and lasers and all kinds of, you know, bells and whistles. <laughs> it sounds glitzier. It's more attractive than something that's, you know, more safe. That, that doesn't, right. Not to say that it's not important, but it sounds a little bit boring. Um, right. But you know, getting into um, specifically what that improvement of safety means, you know, I, I'm glad you like the syringe metaphor, Sean. So let me give, you know, a couple of more specifics. As, uh, as, as you and your audience probably know, I happen to be a subject matter expert for FDA in a few different areas, one of them being risk. Well, the opposite side of the risk coin is safety. Right? So they're just two sides of the same coin. So this is a topic that I do you know, have a, a fair amount of knowledge in. So the type of improvements in safety that we would have to demonstrate would be, for example, a reduction in the known serious of uh, ser no, sorry, let me say it again, a reduction in the known serious adverse events and failure modes that are associated with the, with the device a reduction mm -hmm. in the known use-related hazards or errors, so usability, if we can make a device that's more user usable, user-friendly, uh, lower the likelihood of, of uh, user-related uh, problems, that might qualify for a step. Or finally, making uh, you know, another device that your device works with, making another device or intervention safer. Um, and by the way, they do in the guidance use the word intervention, Sean. Not they don't just say making another device safer. They say make right. another device or intervention safer. And the thing that I find interesting, you know, as I've said in some of our discussions before, Sean, regulation is about two things. It's about first the interpretation of words, and second our ability to defend our interpretation. So mm -hmm. when FDA uses the phrase. The other, making other devices or interventions safer. What that means to me, I can interpret those words as not being limited to other medical devices, uh, but also to include, for example, surgical procedures, which brings up a whole interesting discussion, a much more advanced discussion, but could we get a step designation on a medical device that would be used in some sort of a surgical procedure where the improvement of safety would be on the would be in the surgical procedure in some way because that's obviously an intervention, as opposed to another device. But bottom line, Sean, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here. What we're talking about is showing a reduction in either known serious adverse events that can lead to device failures, a reduction in the known use-related hazards or errors, usability problems, for example, and last, uh, making another device or an intervention safer when used with your device. All of those would be specific examples of what we would have to show to qualify for a step designation. Perfect. Great, great, uh, great wrap-up of, of all the uh, important factors. Um, so, you know, we as I as I mentioned during the introduction, we this was a, a program that we first discussed back in December 2019, shortly after it was it was announced. Um, you know, and you you mentioned in one of your responses that it was uh, the final guidance was just uh, was just issued. Uh, you know, was there much change? Was there you know what what are the updates uh, involved in the that are in the final guidance? 
Yeah, again, good question, Sean. With all due my, to respect to my many FDA friends, I don't see there to be a significant difference between the draft guidance from 2019 and the, and the, the final guidance on the STEP program. In fact, I would say uh, that the two guidances are substantially equivalent, to, to use a, a perhaps a bad part, uh, regulatory pun. And I guess, Sean, you're not laughing, so that illustrates how bad the pun is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> now you're laughing. <laughs> now I'm laughing at that, at that part of it, sure. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, as I said, it's basically patterned after the BDP. So as long as you understand that sort of high-level philosophical difference, that is safety versus efficacy, everything else is, again, to use the regulatory pun, substantially equivalent. On a personal <laughs> note, Sean, I don't think it's necessary to have two separate programs, one for the BDP and one for the STEP. I think it would have been very, very easy to include everything into a single program. But for better or worse, you know, we have people who, <laughs> dare I say it, John, perhaps their salary is, 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 is based on how many pages of stuff they write. So, uh, but, but that's a little too cynical, I suppose. But the, yeah, so, so I would say the, um, the, the most important thing to be aware of when it comes to an update for the STEP program is now, unlike, you know, a year and a half ago when I was advising my customers to, to, to put it on hold, now if you have a device that you think is uh, is worthy of a step designation, then by all means pursue it. There's nothing there's nothing holding us back. The guidance has been finalized. We're all good to go. And now and now that the there is a final guidance, you know what what are the most important things uh, companies should be considering? You know what what do they really need to look at uh, to determine whether their device should be uh, submitted uh, for step designation, or you know, what's basically what's the most important uh, key priorities for them to to consider uh, if they are looking at possibly using the step program. So the most obvious, Sean, is we have to be able to demonstrate the possibility of of an improvement of safety. Um, keep in mind, just like in the BDP. Uh, and I had this discussion with, with uh, one of my customers just prior to our uh, call today. The, the level of evidence uh, required to support a BDP or in this case a step is much, much lower than the level of evidence for the final submission. But you do have to have some evidence to demonstrate that our technology can, you know, lead to an improvement of the safety of either that particular device, a device used with it, or some other interventional procedure that would be used with us. You have to be able to, to show an improvement of safety, whether it's because of a reduction in serious adverse events or uh, user issues, whatever they are, I don't care. You have to, to, to show that. The other thing, and I think this is going to become very problematic very quickly in the future, Sean. Remember, in the, at the beginning, I said FDA has defined this STEP program to be limited to target conditions that are less serious than the ones typically covered by the BDP. I, to be very honest, I have absolutely no explanation as to why that's in there. Because if you, have, if you can show an improvement of safety, what 
differences that make how severe or how not so severe the disease or the treatment uh, the disease or the the condition is and i think right. that we're going to have problems when companies go to the fda with a device that has an improvement in safety but it's intended to be used in a serious condition not uh, a less serious condition so what the heck are we going to do with those devices that they don't qualify for a bdp because they improve safety, not efficacy, but according to this criteria, they probably don't qualify for a step either. So right. mark, mark my words, Sean, this has not happened yet. The, the guidance has just been finalized, but I would not at all be surprised if at some point, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, that requirement of targeting conditions that are less severe than the less serious than the BDP is either going to be modified or, in my view, I think it should be flat out removed. Um, the, an improvement of safety should be an improvement of safety. It should not be contingent on the severity of uh, the disease because that just gets too blurry with the BDP. So perhaps tied into that, is there a stipulation as to who uh, benefits from the safer? In other words, you know, if, if let's just say hypothetical, you know, a surgeon uh, doing a certain procedure has a has a 40% instance of cutting himself uh, with the scalpel uh, during a certain surgical procedure, during a certain part of it, there's a 40% incidence of, of surgeons cutting their own finger, whatever. Somebody creates a, a scalpel that reduces that by 50%. Does that then qualify, or does it have to be safer only for the patient? Yeah, once again, Sean, great question. You're asking some, some terrific questions. Uh, short answer is no. When it comes to safety or, as I said earlier, risk, they're just two sides of exactly the same coin. The usual connotation is to safety or risk to the user, and because Historically, most medical devices have been used by a trained medical professional, a physician, a surgeon, a nurse, a pharmacist. The user is usually that person, not the mm -hmm. patient. However, as you know, Sean, and as we've talked about, I think, in some of our discussions in the past, uh, more and more medical devices are coming onto the market where the intended user is, in fact, the patient. So bottom right. line, when it comes to the STEP program, I see no difference when it comes to improving safety, whether it's the safety of the um, clinician or the caregiver, whether it's the safety of the, the patient. Uh, you know, safety to me is safety. Um, now, again, right. we could take that a little bit too far. Uh, for example, um, this is a, a bit of a tangent, Sean, but... Um, uh, one of the requirements for a PMA, a Class 3 pre-market approval, is uh, you have to take into account environmental safety uh, when it comes to the manufacturing of that product. Now, what the heck does environmental safety mean? Well, imagine that you're using a nasty chemical like DMSO. It's a, it's a nasty solvent. It's part of your manufacturing process. If some of that solvent becomes uh, leaches out of your factory and gets into the, the river and kills some fish. Does FDA care about that? No, that's an EPA concern. That's not an FDA concern. Right. If the DMSO uh, gets absorbed into some of the people that are working in your company, is that an uh, FDA concern? No, that's an OSHA 
concern. However, if some of that DMSO remains in your device and gets implanted into a patient and then leaches out into the patient and causes havoc in that patient, that now becomes an FDA concern. The reason why I bring that up, yeah. John, is because when you ask the question, you know, what, you know, who does the 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 safety improvement have to apply uh, uh, apply to? I would argue that uh, that it has to apply to either the user and or the patient. But when it comes to you know manufacturing workers or you know environmental conditions, that I think, at least in my view, is a bit of a stretch. But I wouldn't be surprised, Sean, sooner or later, if somebody tries to push it, you know, that one step further. I probably will not make one of them, but uh, but maybe somebody might. <laughs> well, I, I, let us let us know if you do hear of it, though. Um, okay. I'd be curious to <laughs> curious to hear about it. But uh, so before we before we wrap up this session, um, any any final comments or, or thoughts on on step or any you know final recommendations? Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, Sean, this is another of those kind of special programs, and I'm hesitant to use the word special nowadays because, you know, everybody is special, right? Um, but anyway, this is another one of those um, special programs where FDA, to their credit, has, be, has, has, has tried to create some incentives for companies to develop, in this case, products that are indeed safer not necessarily more effective, but safer than products that we already have. And so for those in our audience that are working on products that fit into that kind of a category, the STEP program is something that you should definitely consider. It's no longer, it's a hypothetical. It's no longer, as I said earlier, am I advising my customers to kind of wait and see what happens? This is something that it's on the books. It's still early on. And by the way, Sean, I love to be among the first people to go through new programs like this at the FDA because it gives me an opportunity to kind of, you know, uh, how do I say this, form the details that I want them to, the, 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 the way I want them to. You know, I was, uh, as you probably know, Sean, I was, you know, among the first people to get the first few BDP designations when that program was first started about three years ago. Well, suffice it to say, and I know we did a, uh, an update on the BDP discussion, I think, just, just a few months ago, as I recall. Um, but uh, the BDP program today is very, very different in many ways than the way the BDP program uh, existed two or three years ago when it was first created, even though the guidance and the regulation have not changed one word the program has changed in some ways quite a bit. I suspect that the same thing is going to happen eventually with STEP. I just hope that yeah. even though, to your point earlier, Sean, that improvements in safety are not necessarily so uh, glitzy and you know, exciting to talk about than improvements in efficacy, I do think that this is something that our industry can uh, really take advantage of um, with, with the products that we have uh, under development today. Yeah, and I actually I do remember in that in that BDP update, uh, I do remember you mentioning that the you know the program has informally changed, not through guidance or or anything uh, written, but just the way it's it's being handled. Uh, in your experience, is you've you've you know noted a, a difference and a change. So uh, great to get the, that type of insight. Um, so unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of of Mike on MedTech. I'd like to thank 
once again, Mike Drews for, for uh, you know, providing all of the valuable insights he does each and every episode. And I'd like to thank you, the viewer, or the listener, I'm sorry, for, uh, for tuning in. So until next time, this has been Sean Fenske, editor of MPO, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>